This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Alrighty, it's a Flames game day edition of Hockey Central here on Sports at 960, your home of the Flames. Uh, I'm Haley Salvian here with you as usual from Tuesday to Friday at 2 p.m. Just a reminder, I mean, if you catch this live, I appreciate you as always. And just wanted to remind everybody that Hockey Central 960 is available on demand. It's Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoy, leave a rating review. We would appreciate that very much. So again, it's Flames game day. Calgary taking on the Colorado Avalanche tonight at 7.30 at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Pat Steinberg has you covered with Flames Talk tonight and the pregame show on Sports at 960. The fan, we're going to tee up the show or the game, excuse me, coming up in the show with Peter Baugh. He is the Colorado Avalanche beat writer at The Athletic. He wrote a book about the Avs. It is sitting on my bookshelf in my apartment. Uh, I don't remember the name. I was going to say you can check it out. It's called Force of Nature. That's my Peter Baugh. Uh, he wrote that book after the Avs won the Stanley Cup last year. He's going to come on and join us on the show to scout the enemy, tee up the matchup, tell us everything we need to know about the Colorado Avalanche. And then later in the show, we're going to talk to Mike Benton. He is a Seattle Kraken radio host and analyst. I want to talk about the Kraken a little bit today. Are they getting enough respect as one of the top 10 teams in the league? This is a team that, according to Daryl Sutter, has directly impacted the Calgary Flames, at least in the standings. You know, when we look at some of the numbers and the pace that the Flames are on this season, we've talked so much about how, yes, they are not, you know, getting up to the standard or the expectation that we expected them to in the preseason. But as we've heard from Daryl Sutter this year, part of that is, you know, the division's better and the Seattle Kraken are better. They're getting goaltending. They have more offense. The LA Kings look better this year. The Vegas Golden Knights are good again. These are teams that are having a direct impact on the Flames. Of course, Calgary is in charge of their own destiny here. They have to go out and start stringing together more wins. We know that. But Seattle's been a big part of it. So we're going to talk to Mike later in the show and see what is going so well for the Seattle Kraken this season. Some news and notes from the pregame morning skate at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome this morning. Jacob Markstrom is your projected starter for the Flames. Alexander Georgiev goes in net for the Avs. No Kale McCarr, who is day-to-day. That's per Avalanche coach Jared Bednar. Uh, and let's bring on our friend and producer. You just heard him if you're listening live on Sportsnet today, Logan Gordon. Logo, is there anything big you're looking for in this matchup? I mean, we just talked about the Kraken having an impact on things in the division. I mean, we're all just waiting for the Colorado Avalanche to get back up into the central standings. But right now they're a wild card team and they're not that far off from Calgary. This seems like a pretty big game, big opportunity to take advantage of no Makar, but also, you know, continue to have decent ground in the wild card standings. Yeah, it's very similar to the game and the opinion I had heading into Nashville earlier this week, and the Flames weren't able to execute in that, and all of a sudden that gap that's a little bit shorter now against Nashville feels like they could creep up and grab you know that spot that you're in if you're Calgary at any point in time. And I think you absolutely have to avoid that at all costs if you're looking at a team like Colorado who 
really is only in the position they're in Haley because of injuries. It's not like they're underperforming or they had to, you know, have this mass exodus of players because of a Stanley Cup run last year. This is largely the same team, really, with Nazem Kadri in Calgary um, being the major difference. They are actually getting better goaltending this year from Gorgiev and Francois than they were last year from Darcy Kemper. So if all of a sudden this team gets healthy and is able to go on a significant run again, you have to look at them, I would say, out of all the teams not in a playoff spot right now as the most likely that could come back and do some damage. So if you're the Calgary Flames and you get a team like Colorado with no McCarr tonight and a chance to give you a little bit more separation from them, you absolutely need to take advantage of that. The Colorado Avalanche are four points back of Calgary in the wild card race. Uh, so yeah, big game. No Kale McCarr. A few other little news and notes here. Uri Slavkovsky is going to be out for three months for the Montreal Canadiens. Another um, consideration. This was actually from yesterday. Uh, but there was a bit more information today when uh, Kent Hughes had his mid-season address in Montreal. Uh, Sean Monahan's been put on LTIR retroactive to mid-December. He's been out with a lower body injury. I believe that's a foot injury. And I know, uh, you know, obviously Sean Monahan's not a member of the Calgary Flames anymore. But I think when I saw that, I just felt... And Jason Bruff was good about this yesterday. I always, I never really like doing the, oh, you feel for him thing when we're talking about guys who are making $6 million and probably living in a nice apartment. Like these are pretty cushy lifestyles. Um, but you see that. And I do feel for Sean Monaghan. He's just been through injury after injury. And it seemed like he was having such a good start for Montreal. Uh, you know, people were saying, where is he going to get traded at the deadline? Seems like a guy who could give you a boost. And now he's on long-term injured reserve. Uh, and Josh Norris, who's been out for a while with the Ottawa Senators, is set to return against the Penguins tonight. Um, one of the big stories this morning was, of course, out of Philadelphia. And Logo, I know you spoke about this on Sportsnet today. And, and there's not a whole lot to add. I just think so again, Ivan Provorov did not take warm-up last night for the Flyers on Pride Night, declining to wear the Pride jersey. Uh, according to team officials, this was uh, told to the Athletics' Charlie O'Connor, who did a very good job covering this last night. The team found out that Provorov was going to skip warm-ups when the fans did. So the team found out when he didn't go on the ice that this is what was going to happen, which gave John Tortorella essentially less than an hour in that pregame chaos to decide what to do, which ultimately was to play Ivan Provorov. This is a guy who famously does not miss games. He did not miss the game last night. After the game, Provorov said, I respect everybody and I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my Russian Orthodox religion. That is all I'm going to say. That was Ivan Provorov last night after not wearing the Pride jersey and not going out for a warm-up on Pride night. There's been a ton of debate and discussion around this today and last night when it came out. Um, there's not a whole lot to say that hasn't been said out there other than at the end of the day, and the, the fact is, is the Flyers organization and Provorov's own teammates wanted to have an evening that showed support for the LGBTQ community. Instead, this has turned into a conversation about what Ivan Provorov has done and has essentially turned into another embarrassing episode in this league when we have conversations about inclusivity and hockey is for everybody. 
Provorov has not been a popular player in the Flyers locker room. That is no secret. And it's hard to imagine guys like James Van Riemsdyk or Scott Lawton, who particularly step up for inclusivity in the game, would be too happy with what happened yesterday. The Flyers are keeping a lot of that within the locker room. And we just got a note in the text line here, 960-960. Haley, tell Logan his rant on the Provorov situation 10 minutes ago was elite and deserves a standing ovation. Logan, I always appreciate you taking the time and the platform that you have to talk about this. Um, overall, just another embarrassing evening that didn't have to happen. You can't just put on a sweater for 20 minutes to make people feel welcome in the building. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I can't wrap my head around that reasoning. But anyways, there's nothing else to say about that. Another just, it just doesn't need to happen. But thank you, Logan. We're not going to make you rant again for 10 minutes. Because we are waiting. <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah, get a water or something. Yeah. Nice job. Uh, Peter Baugh is going to join us shortly on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline again to tee up this game uh, against the Colorado Avalanche between the Calgary Flames. Do we have Peter? Has Peter been listening? We're in the process of connecting. Okay, we're in the process of getting Peter. That's fine. Um, you know, I've said this before. It almost feels like we're on a bit of like a hamster wheel talking about the Flames this season logo. And I feel for people who have to listen to it every day. Because it's hard to come up with different things to talk about because we keep talking about the top nine and the goaltending situation and how they're not exceeding expectations. They're not meeting expectations. Like this has been a bit of a rinse repeat cycle that we're in with the Calgary Flames this season. But I think something that's important to remember is it wasn't really until mid-February around this mark of the season. I know it's a, a different timeline because of the seasons being all messed up with COVID, but it wasn't really until mid-February, this game mark, where the Flames really kicked it into gear. Before we bring Peter on, Logo, do you think the Calgary Flames right now, and like this team, this roster on paper, what you've seen so far, have it in them to put together, you know, a next chunk of the season that kick them out of the wild card and up into, you know, the conversation of the best teams in the Pacific? Well, it's, it's a wonderful question. And... I think I do still see this team that has that in them. I think consistency has been a big issue for this group. And, you know, being on the right side of that one goal game has been so tough for them this year. I think for the most part, I'm still in the camp that says they can be the team or at least closer to the version of the team that we think they are. But something has to click with this team when it comes to you know, the day-to-day -day processing and something that, you know, even going back to last year, Haley, it's something that we're not used to seeing from Daryl Sutter's groups. It's, you know, you generally have a pretty good idea of what the day-to-day -day looks like for the Calgary Flames. And at points, I have a good idea. It's probably going to be a one goal game, but how we get to that one goal game, whether you look at the Nashville game or the Dallas game of this last road trip, um, how we get there, I think is still you know, being decided. And that's something that this team has to figure out. Absolutely. Uh, with that, let's go to the Atlas pizza guest hotline because we have Peter Baugh 
on the line. He covers the Colorado Avalanche for the Athletic. It looks like the Avs are going to go 11-7 and tonight against the Flames. Kale McCarr is day-to-day. Peter, this is just another day at the office for the Colorado Avalanche this season, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they've they've had injuries to, to almost all their best players so far this year, and now they can add Cal McCarr to that list. This is the first time he's he's missed a game this year, but he, um, yeah, it didn't sound like anything super serious, but obviously you never know with injuries, but he did make the trip, so um, hopefully for the Avalanche it's not too, too long that he's out, but he won't be playing tonight, though. Jacob McDonald will come in and they'll continue. They've been going with 11 forward, 7 defensemen lately, and they'll continue that tonight. There's been a ton of injuries this year. That's kind of been one of the storylines this season. It seems like it's caught up to this team more than maybe it did last year. Part of it is because of the quantity and quality of players that have been out. I think another part of it is that they don't have Nazem Kadri, who can just step in and become the number one center in someone like Nathan McKinnon's absence. Um, but at the same time, has, have you gotten legitimately worried at any point about this team? Um, there was, after the Chicago loss, it, it was a little jarring that they, they kind of let that game get away from them. And, and I was kind of wondering like, oh, wow, I, is it possible that this team misses the playoffs? Cause I, I do think that if they just get into the playoffs, no one's going to want to face them, especially if they get their guys back and are fully healthy. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say I I've been like, panic mode concerned but I've, I've been a little concerned about them at points this year I think that they're obviously when healthy they're very very competent um, and it's just kind of about getting to that point um, they've won they've kind of settled some of those concerns the last couple games with blowout wins against Ottawa and Detroit uh, and we'll see if they can continue that against Calgary because they've, they've looked a lot better and they, they've kind of simplified their game a bit and it's led to good results has there been a bit of a fatigue factor here as well? I know you had a story on The Athletic looking at, should we be worried about the Colorado Avalanche? And I think, you know, maybe part of it has just been, you know, there's all these injuries and now guys are taking on even more um, responsibility, more ice time. They're playing in more situations than maybe they typically would because of that. Do you think some of that fatigue was, was setting in or has been setting in for this team? I think that's definitely possible. I mean, look, Kelman Carr's been awesome this year just like he was last year but but there hasn't been kind of the same quite the same level of explosiveness and and kind of everything he brings to a game there's maybe been slightly less of and I think some of that you have to look at is the minutes he's playing he has to play he's played 30 minutes a game I think eight times this year he had a game he played 33 minutes in a little while back so I think that all that catches up to a player and and um so yeah, I think fatigue definitely a thing. They've they've not only are the big guys on this team playing a lot of minutes, but they played a lot of minutes in the playoffs and now have to have to do it again. So it's definitely a, a bit of a, a struggle, I think, at points. But I think that's why I think the last two games were big for them because it let them give some of their their main guys a bit of a rest, and we'll see if that kind of can translate into any success this coming game. Well, so what have you seen from the Avs in the last couple games, you know, that Flames fans maybe need to to be aware of heading into this matchup? Like, which version or what, you know, kind of Avalanche team is coming into the Dome tonight? Yeah, well, so I think it's, I mean, obviously Ottawa and Detroit, I would say they're both better than they were last year, but those still aren't playoff-level teams quite yet, so this is a different 
level of opponent. And I think you saw kind of some of the same defensive mistakes that the that young kind of non-playoff teams make in the Ottawa and Detroit games. So I think that they might be able to kind of counter – the Flames might be able to counteract that by just being a little bit better and more experienced. But I think the Avalanche have, have gotten back to – I know they talked about – Evan Rodriguez was talking about out there. They're kind of just back to skating and playing more of a north-south game instead of an east-west game um, and, and just kind of doing the little things right. I also think that Val Nichushkin's return to the lineup has been a huge boost for the team. It's only been one game, but – they just look like a different team when he's in there. He's really um, important as a net front presence, as a guy who uh, can can screen uh, screen goalies' eyes, who can finish up loose pucks, uh, who can forecheck really hard. So, so him being back has been a big key, um, even if he's still kind of getting back in the game mode. Um, I think all those things have kind of combined to, to lead to better performances the last two games. How good has Miko Rantanen been this season? <laughs> he's been unbelievable. He's, I think that it's hard to say he's like underrated or anything, but I, I definitely think he sometimes gets overlooked in the like superstar conversation. But he's he's definitely one of the the best players in the league. He's he might reach the thirty goal mark tonight. He's at twenty nine. He's uh, on pace to have over a hundred points this season and and he just can score and beat you in so many different ways he's got great creativity as a passer he's obviously a durable skater he can and can skate well enough to play with the mckinnons of the world and he's a good skater himself he he uh he's just he's he's really versatile he's been he's been massive for this team and honestly one of the biggest things is he's been healthy he's been able to play every game so far this year um and it's definitely someone the flames are going to have to keep close watch on because he can score in a lot of different ways. He's one of the ones where I think even Kale McCarr said it um, after the All-Star game rosters came out, and he was like, no, like Miko should have kind of been the guy. He was one of the ones where you're like, huh, everybody loves Kale McCarr, but like Miko Rantanen's kind of been the MVP this season in Colorado. He definitely has. Yeah, I think um, obviously Kale's one of the faces of the league, and I think the league probably wanted him in there. Uh, and Mika Rantanen is probably going to get in whenever we find out about uh, the the kind of final vote guys. But he he's definitely had an unbelievable season, um, worthy of an All Star game appearance, and and probably will get in. I would guess. Was it maybe too bold for the Avs to think that Alex Newhook could just step in and replace Nazem Kadri as the the two C this season? Yeah, I think they wanted to give him a chance and, and pretty quickly, I think, realized that maybe it wasn't uh, the right fit yet. He's only 21. Like, I, I remember, I have to remind myself of that because I, I think a lot of people were had high hopes for him, and rightfully so, but he's he's had a pretty similar season scoring-wise to his pace last year. Like, he's, he's still adjusting to the NHL game, and he's an NHL-level player, but he's maybe just not quite ready for that top-six role. But he is a guy who, who Jared Bednar likes a little bit more at wing and, and has done a good job there. I, I also wonder kind of would the Alex Newhook, he still probably isn't the guy you want to go into the playoffs with as your second line center. But if this team was fully healthy and he had started the year playing with Gabriel Landeskog and Val Nachushkin, how much different would his stats look? Like it, it, I think there's a little bit of that too. Right, right. I mean, is that going to be a priority at the deadline for the Avs, you think, Peter? Like, I think 
every time we hear of, you know, where you take a scroll through the trade board or you look at who could Bo Horvat be a fit with, who could Jonathan Taves be a fit with, it always kind of seems to be the Colorado Avalanche because that 2C spot is still kind of a hole or a question mark, so to speak. Do you think that those are realistic options for the Avs to go out and get? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're going to have to assess where they're at as they get a little closer to the deadline. They have to ask themselves, are we certain Gabe Landis is going to be back this year, which right now they believe he will be. Are we certain that we're going to get into the playoffs? Because the last thing you want to do is trade a first-round pick or a ton of trade chips and then not make the playoffs or not be in position to to do damage when you're in there because your, your captain or, or key players are out. So I, I think they're going to have to weigh that as they get a little bit closer. Um, and and that could maybe stop them from going, giving what it would take to get Bo Horvat. He's going to have a plethora of suitors who want, who are trying to get him away from the Canucks. So it'll be tricky um, to fit. But I think if if they're playing well and they're confident about their health going forward, I definitely think they could could make a run at someone like Horvat or O'Reilly or Taves or, or one of those guys. And, and it would be pretty formidable, honestly. Or the other thing is that Evan Rodriguez has been excellent this season. And if you have him up the middle with Landis Goggin, Nachushkin in an ideal world for the Avs, he's probably going to, like, like, that's probably a, a great second line. And then maybe you, you go get a winger, a James Van, excuse me, I can't talk today, a James Van Ringsdijk <laughs> type player who, who can kind of, fit in on the wing like like they they have some flexibility because of how evan rodriguez has played but if they aren't comfortable with the price point for any of the kind of bona fide like elite second line centers out there they can they can keep him there or maybe go after someone a little cheaper like sean monahan right when sean monahan we said off the top of the show he's on ltir right now but he was a guy that that's you know i think people were circling and saying you know what he had a great start you know, is he is he going to get moved at the deadline? Could he be, you know, a boost that teams are looking for up the middle when it comes to the middle six? Maybe we'll see how he progresses between now and the early March trade deadline. You mentioned Evan Rodriguez. You had a great story that just came out on The Athletic this morning about his uh, emergence, you know, and the bet that he made on himself. Uh, is it sustainable what we're seeing from Evan Rodriguez right now for Colorado? Yeah, I mean, I, he has points in his past nine games, and I don't know if he's, it's sustainable for him to be a point-per-game player, but I do think this <laughs> is a guy who's shown over the course of his career that he's able to play with top-end talent and skilled players. Right now he's been playing on a line with Lekkonen and McKinnon, um, and that line's been really successful. So if he kind of stays in, in that role, like where he's playing in the top six, then I definitely think uh, a high-production se- season is, is very much in the cards for him. Um, I'm curious how his production will do if he's moved into maybe a third-line role. Will he be able to kind of be the same player he's shown to be this year? But I think what the Avs like is that the more responsibility they've given him, the better he's played, and and that could lead to him. The Avs aren't afraid of taking a guy. Like, if you look at last year's deadline, Arturi Lackanen, I don't think he ever played more than, like, 15 minutes. His highest career time on ice average was, like, 15.50 with Montreal. The Avs slot him in, and by the end of the Stanley Cup final, he's, he's playing on the top line with Nathan McKinnon and scoring the game-winning goal of Game 6. So he's, he's the, the Avs are not afraid to give a guy more responsibility that maybe, than maybe he had in a pass stop and letting him kind of flourish in that role. And Rodriguez is, is kind of 
showing he's, he's maybe capable of doing that. Now, we have to remember that last year he had a bit of a drop-off in the second half while with Pittsburgh. So, will he be able to avoid that? Can he kind of shed the narrative that he's a bit of a streaky player? That's going to be up to him and, and his line mates the last half of the year. And, and, I mean, I would tend to believe that maybe not this level of production, but I think he's going to keep being a really valuable player for the Avs the rest of the year. Before we let you go, Peter, you know, how would you describe the, the state of the crease in Colorado this year and the play of Georgiev, who's expected to start tonight? It's actually been pretty good. Sutter was complimentary about uh, Georgiev and Francois actually today and his, his pregame availability. I, I think that it hasn't been a, a perfect fit necessarily or like, He's not Georgiev isn't Andre Vasilevsky, but I don't think the Avs when the Avs are at their best, they don't need their goalies to be the best in the league because they're a really good team of skaters who can dominate play and limit chances against. So Georgiev's had some awesome games this year and has had some some stretches of play that have been excellent. He's also had a couple little rough patches. He when the abs were really banged up, he was getting the net a lot, especially with Francois was injured for a couple of weeks. So he, he played, I think, 12 consecutive games. Now there was the holiday break in between, but he's kind of coming off. They gave him a bit of a reset where they gave him three games off just to kind of, they wanted him to physically get some rest and mentally get some rest because a lot of times when the team's struggling, the goalie puts a lot of that on themselves of like the team lost seven of eight or whatever stretch the abs were on. And I think that they wanted... Um, to give Georgiev some time to, to mentally and physically reset, and he'll be back in the crease tonight. But overall, I'd say both goalies have been, been good for the Avs this year. Was there anything else notable? Again, before we let you go, Peter, this is the last one, I swear. Anything else notable from the morning skate in Calgary today? I know you were at both, and we just heard that you were you know, in the Daryl Sutter press conference, Nazem Kadri playing against his former team tonight. Anything else stand out to you this morning? Yeah, well, I'm just assuming that the abs are – I'm kind of counting it as, like, the Flames are starting up one nothing because at some point tonight, Nazem Kadri is going to score a goal. He just kind of, <laughs> like, is that type of player. He, he will score against his former team, or he'll score with a broken thumb in game four of a cup finals game. He'll score a hat-trick <laughs> in St. Louis. Like, like he's, he, he definitely rises to the moments and, and kind of buys into that. So I'm excited to see him play tonight, and I'm fully expecting him to have a good game and probably score. Great stuff, my friend. Thanks for joining the show. Enjoy the games tonight. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, there goes Peter Baugh. He is the Colorado Avalanche beat writer at The Athletic. Also wrote a book about the Avs after they won the Stanley Cup last season called The Force of Nature. And that conversation with Peter is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Come on in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza 403-248-3344. All right, so we had Logan Gordon off the top chatting about the Flames. We just had Peter Baugh on chatting about the Avs. And then later on today, you can catch Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and then your Flames pregame show, Flames Warm Up with Peter Labardius, and then Puck Drop at 7.30 between the Flames and the Avs. Lots more about the matchup coming up on Sports at 960, your home of the Flames. And then coming up next on Hockey Central, we're going to talk to Mike Benton. He is a Seattle radio host and analyst covering the Kraken. And we're going to dive into what has been working in year two in Seattle. That's coming up next on Hockey Central on Sports at 960, The Fan. 
You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program. Final 20 minutes or so left in Hockey Central. If you're just joining us live, I'm Haley Salvian here with you till the end of the hour. We've got lots of Flames pregame chat, more Flames pregame chat coming up. We've been talking about it all day. It's the home of the Flames on Sports at 960 The Fan. Just taking a look at how the Avalanche have done lately. Again, no Kale McCarr tonight for the Colorado Avalanche. They're going with 11-7. and seven. The projected goalie matchup is Jacob Markstrom versus Alexander Georgiev. The Avs are coming off two straight wins against the Red Wings and the Ottawa Senators. Pretty big win against the Sens on Saturday night. 7-0. Hit a touchdown against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, They lost the Blackhawks last week and the Florida Panthers. Panthers are going to be an interesting team down the stretch. Something we can probably dig into more maybe this week, maybe next week. They've been very disappointing in the first half of the season, at least as far as their drop-off from last season. Uh, but as the calendar's flipping to 2023, I mean, the Panthers are 5-2-1 in their last eight games. Had a weird game against the Toronto Maple Leafs last night. Uh, but they're, they're going to be interesting. Are they going to do something at the deadline? They don't have a lot of cap space, but they do have some players that they might need to shed because of those cap reasons. Then maybe if they offload enough, they can bring something in. I don't know. Something to discuss another day on the show, because I'm very interested in the Panthers. I'm also very interested in the Seattle Kraken. As I mentioned off the top, this is a team that I don't think is getting enough respect as a top 10 team in the league. We're going to have Mike Benton on here in a second to uh, talk about the Kraken. One thing I want to bring up about the Flames game tonight. I saw this from a friend of the show, Darren Haynes. He was on last week. He and I work together in Calgary at The Athletic. He does a lot of great work on the Flames, very active online. And he made a very good point on Twitter. So I just want to give him, you know, the flowers for bringing this up. And he's been hitting the Jacob Peltier stuff a lot. Like, you know, Darren Haynes wants Jacob Peltier in the lineup, just like a lot of Flames fans do. And again, it does not look like Jacob's going to play tonight. Who knows? Something might change in warm-up. Something might change by the uh, by puck drop. Uh, but Darren had a great point. It's less about what Peltier might give the team in, say, 10 minutes of ice time over somebody else and more about the message. It's demonstrating that lethargic performances like Monday against Nashville have consequences and lineup spots in the next game are not guaranteed. We talked a lot yesterday about how the first two periods against the Nashville Predators were not good enough. And for the most part, the players who didn't have a shot on goal in the game or didn't play very well in whatever spot they're in in that forward group are still going to be in the lineup tonight. It's not a great message. But let's go to the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline because we have Mike Benton uh, waiting. He's a radio host and analyst in Seattle for the Kraken. The Kraken lose the Edmonton Oilers last night after a stretch of nine games in 14 days. They had an eight-game winning streak mixed in there as well. Uh, Mike, how's this road trip been treating you? You get to go home, I guess. Are you home now finally? 
Yeah, I am home, and uh, much of the crew went. Uh, I usually stay back as far as our studio duties. And, you know, if the playoffs happen, we'll see. That could be a, a different story here. But, I mean, hey, when you do nine games in 14 days, it doesn't matter where, you're still tired. And I, I woke yeah. up this morning thinking, what what day is it? And I think this might be, you know, I think the, the best answer is just something where it just ends in why. I really don't know. But, uh you know, for for the Kraken to come out of this with nine games in 14 days, you know, I was having a, a chat this morning with Eddie Olchuk, who's going to do the TNT game tonight with the New York Islanders. And heading into this stretch, playing nine games in 14 days, you're only home for basically 29 hours. If you were to tell me that they would go 7-2 and two, as a Kraken fan to anybody else, hey, sign me up. And I, I think plenty of questions. That when answered, I think about the endurance of this team, uh, the boundaries in which they can stretch, and with their limits as well. That alone has not just put them into the conversation here, but also comfortably in the playoff spot for now. I mean, of course, we're we haven't even hit the 50 game point just yet, so you know that stretch drive is coming. But I think more and more. We're seeing bursts about this team that tell us that they are light years ahead of schedule right now. And for many who have waited for this team in Seattle for a long, long time, uh, it is so refreshing. Right. So the Seattle Kraken are 10th in the league right now. They're 26-14-4, and 56 points already. Again, top 10 in the league. Like how This is way better than last year after a very disappointing debut in the NHL. Uh, the early reviews were not great compared to, I mean, maybe looking at how the Vegas Golden Knights started in the NHL after the expansion draft. How have the Kraken been so improved from year one to year two? Well, I go right back to just a few days after draft day when we were all in Montreal when Shane Wright came aboard. And then that next step was okay, what's going to happen here when it comes to free agency? Because Ron Francis pledged they were going to be aggressive, and he did not disappoint. Andre Burakovsky, day one, name off the board, check. He's been fantastic, leading score for much of this season. Justin Schultz, uh, you know, who came in this year on a two-year deal for about $3 million for the production that they're getting from him in the All right. Looks like we just lost Mike. We're going to try to bring him back here. And, and I will kind of pick up where, where he's left off. I've been really impressed with the Kraken this season, particularly in the ways in which they improved. I, you know, I think you give Ron Francis a lot of credit for the moves that they made in the offseason because you looked at the Seattle Kraken last year and they didn't quite have enough offense. That wasn't there. They didn't have enough skill at the top of the lineup. And that was one of the issues and maybe one of the criticisms coming out of expansion is, you know, Seattle, yeah, they wanted to have cap space and they wanted to have draft picks and they wanted to have assets to build for the future. But they also left a lot of skill on the board. And that was something that people didn't really like about their draft. I mean, I was critical of it, too. I thought they left something to be desired in the expansion draft last season. But then you look at what Ron Francis did in the offseason, and he looked at very clearly what they needed to improve on. And that was in the goal scoring department. And they go and get Burakovsky. And Matty Beniers is in the lineup. And you get guys back in the lineup who were injured last year, like, you know, uh, Jaden Schwartz or Justin Schultz, uh, Brandon Tanev, you get all those guys back, 
this year and and we've just seen a much improved team from guys coming back into the lineup and some of the additions that they made in the offseason I think we have Mike back on the line Mike I was kind of picking up what you were putting down there Ron Francis looked at what the what they needed to improve on last year and he kind of went out and had his checklist and went ABC all right we've got a little bit more now they have one of the best offenses in terms of goals per game in the league yeah, segue 10 of 10. That was smooth, and my apologies on that. But I was going back <laughs> no, about don't worry about Jones it. as well with how, yeah, with, with how important Martin Jones has been. You know, who knows where the Kraken would be at this point. And when Philip Grubauer went down in late October to November with a lower body injury, uh, it was the first sink or swim moment for this team where they had to play 10 of the first 15 games against teams that made a Stanley Cup playoff. And Jones handled it with flying colors. And, oh, by the way, um, he and his wife also uh, had a kid around that same time, too. So oh, wow. not exactly the easiest task. Yeah, and then I would even go back to what you were talking about with Brandon. And I'm getting a healthy version of him back has been huge for their depth. Uh, Matty Beneers, you know, I would consider like a free agent signing because they only had him for about 10 games in a trial run and getting the full version here. And him facing the tough matchups, he's facing night after night after night. He continues to produce and looking more and more like he's going to be a face of this league for a long, long time. Uh, and then also Daniel Sprong, who could have predicted on a PTO contract, a PTO back in training camp, upgraded to a full-blown contract. And now is on pace for 30 goals as a fourth liner. That, I mean, it's miles and miles beyond what you could have uh, expected. And for a team that doesn't like to shorten the bench, they'll roll all four lines. Uh, they're getting it here from every corner, and it's a big reason why uh, they're light years ahead. So I think when people talk about the Seattle Kraken this season, it seems like they're doing it with a bit of an asterisk, right? People are saying, well, the Kraken are here in the league or they're here in the Pacific Division, but I don't think I believe them yet. Are the Seattle Kraken at this point in the season, and as you mentioned before, they've still got to hit the stretch run. We still have to see, you know, if they have that battle tested, um, if they can play that way when games get harder later on in the year. But from what you've seen this season, Mike, like, is there an asterisk on the success they've had right now, or is this team legitimate? The asterisk has been uh, becoming more and more and more, I think, um, moving away because of how they've been able to find ways to win. And listen to me, I, I understand when, you know, you subscribe to the theory, the best way to predict the future is to look on past behavior and the thing with the Kraken is that we only have past behavior here for just one season. So, you know, I think, you know, you, you, you know, you hear you know, more often than not in this market in Seattle, you know, I think the comparisons of Vegas, you know, those have, you know, those have been basically worn all the way down to the studs as far as on the tires. Um, but I think with test number one, it was, okay, cool. You've got, you know, an upgraded lineup. Now show us when you put it into play. You know, and the real race begins on opening night. Well, check. They've got that uh, past 500. They went through a, a bit of a slump, uh, losing Philip Grubauer for a little bit. Uh, then all of a sudden had to go sink or swim with Martin Jones, you know, who didn't have his best year in Philadelphia. And then previous uh, year in San Jose. All right, check. 
Then it's, you know, hey, well, Matty Benares, he's been good, but, you know, what's going to happen when he hits the halfway point of the season and you you can game plan for him? Well, check. He's still leading score amongst all NHL rookies right now. Oh, great. Well, then now you have that seven-game road trip coming up. Oh, the Boston Bruins, good luck. Oh, Toronto, good luck. Uh, <laughs> check, check, and check. So, you know, I mean, we often hear on how good the Kraken are. And it's a strength of how they're able to produce, roll all four lines, and they lead the NHL in five-on-five goals. And so when you think you can only outscore your problems for so long, it really is, uh, I think, a valid point of questioning. But I, I go back to even the Chicago game where the Kraken, yes, they took advantage of a Chicago team uh, you know, that had basically nothing as far as what they had compared to a few years ago when they won the Stanley Cup. And we all know what they're playing for right now, uh, and that's the long game. But, you know, an 8-3 to three score looked a lot better you know, than 8-5, to five, but those two goals that Chicago <laughs> scored were academic. And I think what we're learning right now is the Kraken are comfortable with their own identity and playing a high-transition game, a high-speed game, but they're very much fully on board with trying to win games like we saw in Boston, 3 nothing. Uh, a game that they won against Winnipeg, you know, where they were able to play with discipline just this last month. And even in this well, 5-2 game when they came back and beat Edmonton and then all of a sudden found ways to lock it down once the Oilers got off and running out to a 2 nothing advantage. So, you know, I, I very much am uh, a subscriber here to this point. At this point of the season, you are who you are. And we're past the halfway point right now where it shows the Kraken have bought into their identity now as long as health is going to be on their side and there's no drop-off in, special, in very important areas like goaltending or in as well a penalty kill that's turning the corner, we're going to be in good shape. You are what your record says you are, and that means the Seattle Kraken's record says that they're a top 10 team in the NHL right now. And the asterisk is starting to get maybe erased by some people who are starting to buy in. One player that we haven't really talked about yet is Jared McCann. He's been very interesting. This is a guy who's played on what? Before getting to Seattle, he played for Vancouver, Florida, Pittsburgh. Uh, he, so obviously he's been traded a couple times. He gets exposed to expansion. I mean, he gets traded to Toronto and then exposed to expansion. They had that whole thing going on. Then he's with the Kraken. Now he's got 22 goals, 30 points. You know, one of the top, you know, most important forwards on that team. Like, what can you tell us about the Jared McCann story so far this year? Oh, it is remarkable in what he's done. And I think what's even more important to me is not just the fact that he produced last year and is doing the same this year, but on top of that, he's doing it on the heels of signing, you know, his massive contract extension paying him $5 million a year all the way until the end of 2026 and 27. And the one thing that I've learned about Jared McCann, Haley, over the last year is that he seeks stability and that he really seeks a routine. He likes to know what's happening next. He likes to have that comfort in being able to go to work the very next day and do his job. It's awfully tough for an NHL player to do that on average. We know that it's a results-based business, and we know that unless, you know, you're signing one of those eight, nine, ten million dollar deals, you're likely to get moved at some point. And stability is something that we all seek in life, but is not guaranteed, especially when it comes to the NHL. 
So I think for Jared McCann in a roundabout way, once he signed that contract extension, he went out and bought a house about 15 miles in a terrific upscale community named Bellevue. And then with that, he then gained more confidence in that he wants to be a part of the build here long term. He wants to be one of the go-to guys on this team that's going to produce offense night after night. With security comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. And he's a player that hasn't just carried the mail, but I kind of got the sense a little bit that, you know, hey, it's great the Kraken are sending Matty Beneers and well-deserved, but hey, what about Jared McCann? He's as well-deserving here to go to the All-Star game on top of that, and he could very much well be uh, a player in the mix uh, once these final names come out as we get closer here to the game uh, in Sunrise. So, you know, I think in a roundabout way, you know, different places, you know, serve players differently, and one fit is better off than the other. The one thing that we've learned is Jared McCann has found his fit it's brought confidence here. It's brought results. We've got a couple more minutes left here with Mike Benton, a radio host and analyst in Seattle for the Kraken. Uh, again, just a couple more minutes left here with you, Mike. What could this team do at the trade deadline? We know that Ron Francis, you know, likes his draft picks and he likes his assets. And maybe this team is, you know, fast tracked based on what they thought they were going to be this year. So maybe that's a consideration. Do you see this team being active come the early March deadline? As long as uh, this record keeps up, I certainly see them being active. Haley and Ron Francis told us about a couple of weeks ago on the Kraken Audio Network side that, you know, if this team is in position, uh, he is going to look at options. And uh, number one, he feels he owes it to the fan base of Seattle. And number two, he feels that he owes it to the Kraken dressing room to give them the shot in the arm that they need to make that extra push. Where he goes right now, who knows? And Ron Francis has always been a guy to really play things as tight and close to the best as possible. So whether it might be something up front or on the back end, we'll have to wait and see uh, as far as you know where he adds. Now, I think the ultimate question is, do you want to mess with what you've got here already? We know the Kraken are four lines deep. You have a defense that's been reliable and not much change on top of that with who's playing with who. So is there a complete glaring weakness that you can uh, address right now? I don't think so. Goaltending has been better over the recent weeks. So if they want to go, say, the bombshell route, you know, we know that the Canucks might be putting Bo Horvath's name out there. You know, if you want to go with a big star with a big contract, it will, it will require a lot of cap gymnastics to make it work. And their cap room right now is less than a million. So you're going to have to, I think, make a few moves to make that work. And the question bears, do the Kraken have enough jam right now? I mean, they can they, they can skate, they can play with pace, but do they have enough grit, do they have enough sandpaper to, you know, survive the stretch drive and do something in the playoffs if they can get there? You know, I looked either on the back end or in the forward court, and if you can add a little bit more there, I think that's a place where you could begin to look at. All right, definitely a team to keep an eye on. Uh, heading into March, down the stretch drive, it's the Seattle Crack, and this has been a great chat, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Anytime, Haley. Appreciate it. Thank you. 
No problem. There goes Mike Benton, a radio host and analyst in Seattle for the Kraken with the Kraken Audio Network. As you heard, he had Ron Francis on the show a couple weeks ago, something you can check out if you have you know, any more interest in that. And the Kraken, they take on the New Jersey Devils on Thursday night. That will definitely be a game to watch between two the top 10 teams in the league. And that conversation was brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. You can dine in, pick up, or have your game day special delivered. Find out why Atlas Pizza is a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast or call 403-248-3344. That's all the time we have for today on Hockey Central 960. I'm Haley Salvian. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Mike and Peter, uh, Cam and Taylor, and Logan, everyone who puts the show on. And uh, you'll hear more about the Flames game against the Colorado Avalanche puck drop at 7.30 from Pat Steinberg on Flames Talk, the pregame show, and obviously on the call here on Sports at 960 The Fan, your home of the Flames.